Okay, let's start. Okay. Sorry. Hello, everyone. My name is Irvin from the Caribbean and Physics and Astronomy Society. And welcome to the 11th installment of this webinar series where we'll be answering the question, Saan naabot ang physics degree mo? Before we start, I would like to thank our sponsors, Edward Kaluya and Claude Ceniza, for sponsoring this webinar series. Today, we are joined by Mr. Francis Talio, who is a graduate of the BS in Applied Physics program from the University of San Carlos, having also received summa cum laude honors. He studied the application of direct Fourier reconstruction and fringe projection photometry in 3D mapping of objects captured by a digital camera from various angles. After graduating, he briefly worked as a software developer, but later switched to serve as a cash operations officer and later as a project manager at the Philipp Bank of the Philippine Islands until 2016. He is currently working as a global pre-sales consulting engineer for channel management at NCR Corporation while also being a realtor under Filipino Homes and a financial advisor at ProLife UK. He also received multiple awards for his sales expertise, the most remarkable of which is the Century Point Club Award and membership in 2019. And on a more recent note, Mr. Talio is also a COVID-19 survivor. So hello, Mr. Talio. How are you doing today? Hi, Irvin. I'm good. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Okay, so... You have prepared a presentation for us today, right? I did, actually. Yes, I did. Oh, why don't you start sharing your sure. screen? And you can okay. start anytime you want. Um, can you make me a co-host so that I can start sharing? Oh, wait a minute. Can you try again? Sure. Okay, not yet. There's no reason. I couldn't share yet. Okay, give me a minute. Is it still not working? Not yet working. Hisaka is still the host. Okay, can you try again? Okay, give me a Okay, good. I can already say. Okay, starting. Okay, perfect. Okay. So you should be able to see my screen now. Okay, uh, let me just open the slide. Like, okay. Okay, so, okay, this is my slide up basically. So it's a couple of slides, so it's probably like 30 slides, but I'll try to make it as um, concise as possible so it won't take so much time. So I'm titling this one as uh, of science and finance because you know aside from the rhyme, I really appreciate it because you know uh, science and finance are like two uh, separate you know themes. But in a way, um, my life is really uh, both science and finance, which is really really interesting even for me. So uh, yeah. So let me start about my education. So for everyone who's in the stream already, so you can always like. Um, you can call my attention if you have any question at all, because you know. Otherwise, I'm gonna be speaking, and I'm gonna be the one doing like a, 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 a something like like that. So, yeah. So in terms of education, so I started in uh, so my high school year. Uh, I spent it, uh, the whole thing in UP, so UP Cebu, so 2002. So it was a very very interesting experience for me because it was also like um, because I moved uh, my family moved from CDO to Cebu but originally from Cebu but then it was a big adjustment as well so I was um, a shy type of person I wasn't really the one who speaks to other people so I was really really focused on school and uh, even at a young age I was very um, interested with science so I was really passionate about it it was something that uh, I really enjoyed in UP so um, in 2003, uh, that was one of the tragedies in my life because um, our house actually burnt down. So 
it was one of the toughest times that we I, I experienced and every one of us uh, we were still like um uh, going to school so basically it was really tough but it was also the reason why I was also a scholar in UP uh, because of that specific reason so you know all these things that happens in our lives um I mean they can be bad but it's really there's always something good that turns out from it so it was really on 2005 so I think it was my on my third year that I was able to you know I was joining a lot of contests so it was really something that I really enjoyed it was very interesting and um I actually made the a lot of friends because of it because um I mean my peers my groups were basically the ones who were also interested in science and math it was very, it was very very cool and I was able to join a lot of contests and even won the most of them and in fact um I'm sure uh, if there's anyone from USC that's watching of course a lot of them from USC but uh so the one organized by the chem department so chemblitz uh, we actually won first place on that and um we also joined the PSYSE I'm not sure if it's still is Uh, they're still doing it now but we we used to have this contest science contest we were in uh, a lot of schools from various schools in the in, in the nation in the philippines and we actually won top six so we had to fly over to UP Diliman uh, and we took part in that contest so we were we actually made it to top six which was very interesting because a lot of this um, other schools were really really advanced in their in their physics and science and stuff so you know it was an achievement for us and it was also the first time for me to fly to a domestic flight i mean through an airplane so it was really really cool and the fun fact as well i was also involved like in a, a singing competition because in one of our music classes we had to submit uh, let's say our composed our composed um song so basically uh, we, i also participated in that so it was quite interesting year 2005 and finally in 2006 uh, was a year that we graduated So I uh, surprisingly I actually graduated as class salutatorian so um I mean when I look back to what happened at that time it was really really like um I wasn't really interested in the other subjects I really just wanted to uh, do science do physics do biology do chemistry so the rest were really like okay I just need to pass this stuff but so it was really it really came to a surprise that I actually graduated salutatorian so it was really cool and Uh, because of my passion in science, uh, I was uh, I got an award for AMA Best in Science. I also got the same award from Mercury Drug, and I actually uh, joined a few other contests as well uh, in my graduation year. So it was one of the best times, to be honest. But it was also one of the times in your life that you need to think about what's ahead. So basically, it was like a fork in the road. So I was thinking because I already passed the OPCAT at that time, and so basically, if I um if I, i went with up then i have to do computer science but which was also cool because comsci is like um i really i really enjoy programming as well so the it stuff so it was cool i mean i didn't have any problems with it and i was really good with the chemistry and um so I, it was something to consider as well and of course physics so physics is strange because like we had physics in third year and I really didn't get the point of physics so I could not understand I could not relate the equations to real life so I I felt like I was a slow learner when it came to physics but it's like uh, a switch suddenly clicked in my mind and suddenly I understood what physics is and it's actually one of the the best sciences that I learned so that's actually the reason why I decided to pursue physics back in high uh, you know from graduation graduation Uh, so of course, as all of you might know, so I graduated actually from University of San Carlos. So I was also a DOSP scholar. So together with uh, a lot of my classmates, actually were DOSP scholars. Actually, most of us. And um, it was um, I call it high school 2.0 because it was really enjoyable. I mean, it was like an extension of high school because we were just one one block. I mean, there were no other blocks. It was just us. So from first to the fifth year, it was really just us. So you know, we were like a family back then. And um, we actually did uh, another contest as well in my second year. So we were able to join the the PSQ. Uh, so it was a national thing, but we came up to third place. So I think we I did it together with um, a friend from USC Maine and also from another school. And of course, uh, finally graduation came. It came to a surprise again because I wasn't really aiming for anything when I was, uh, you know, I was doing this. So I was not, I wasn't really doing anything special to be honest. So 
I did not study like one week in advance. I just studied like in the day before. It, it, there was really nothing special. But then um, my professors on my fifth year, they, they just told me that we're actually um, a candidate for summa cum laude and the grades weren't, weren't released yet. But you know, I was really kind of um, excited and scared as well. I mean, it was like, um, yeah, I mean, the turning point to me because it could be like so much or not, right? So yeah, uh, eventually I got the grades and um, fortunately I was able to graduate as summa cum laude, which was something, probably the, the single biggest achievement that I had in the past, past couple of years. And uh, one of the biggest things in my life that really changed um, my trajectory was uh, participating in the BPI DOSP Science Awards. I'm, 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 I'm sure it's still ongoing now, probably not, but uh, uh, basically we presented our thesis project and we presented it to the board and then we submitted it to BPI and then BPI at USD actually um, acknowledged our project and yeah, we were able to uh, present it to the to, to BPI in, in Manila. So actually this is, to me, this is the very reason why, why, I'm, why I'm sitting here right now, why my current career is this right now because because I participated in the BPI DOSD Science Awards. Probably if, it, if I did not, uh, I probably would end up somewhere else that's totally different. Probably something related more to physics. Just sharing with you as well, uh, the graduation photos that I have, I'm just sharing with you. So on this picture I have here, um, yeah. so this is the medical biophysics group. So that's Michael Lawrence, Janelle and Ira. So everyone very happy in graduation. All smiles, and of course, me and Lawrence, a very proud, proud moment. And this was also when we presented, um, when I presented the our thesis to the BPI, so in, in Makati. So uh, here, uh, this were uh, the dean before uh, in in USC. Here uh, we have Sir Vilanda. I'm sure you're familiar with some of the faces. We also have like uh, so Lucero from the biology department. So actually, um, the top 10 nationwide, the two of us came from USC and the rest were actually from Luzon. So it was one of the biggest achievements that we have. Yeah. So this is my undergrad thesis. So, you know, uh, it sounds like jargon, everything's jargon, but anyway, I hope, I hope you, you understand uh, because it's still a physics stuff. But in, in any case, if you don't understand anything, if you're interested, you can always uh, ping me and, you know, ask me about this stuff. So it's about 3D modeling. So we actually have um, three methods, uh, three, uh, two theories in particular. So direct Fourier reconstruction and the other one is fringe projection volumetry. So we uh, implemented this through uh, National Instruments LabVIEW and also C programming. And of course, uh, the applications for this would be in doing prosthesis, even in tracking biological growth and archeology, span if, if you want to be able to um, digitize those archaeological artifacts, of course, in CGI. So the aim of the thesis was really to generate 3D views and also some measurements. So this is one of the theories. Uh, so the first one is direct Fourier reconstruction. So here you see a slice. So let's say, uh, let's assume that this is a slice of a body part for cross-section. So what we did is, um, so actually the project, uh, the thesis itself, it, uh, it drew inspiration from one of our thesis advisors, so Ms. Rosette. So she is the head of the radio, uh, radiology uh, department in CDU. So, so she did like, you know, um, radiotherapy. So we were quite interested in it. So basically we wanted to make use of the concept uh, and apply it in our thesis. So here you have um, let's say a cross section of the body part. And basically you shine uh, monochromatic light into different angles. So you get a sinogram. So a sinogram is like a stack of all those projections. So, and uh, we perform like a 1D Fourier transform. And then basically uh, you take one cross, uh, one uh, one of those rows and you do Fourier tra transformation to be able to convert uh, the space coordinate into the frequency space. And then uh, we apply the central slice theorem. So basically you just, um, uh, the 1D Fourier transform, you, you put them onto a, a, the polar coordinates and then you assign them. Uh, and of course we applied some interpolation as well because you know uh, transforming from Cartesian to polar is something tricky. 
And then uh, we reconstructed this. So basically, we did uh, inverse inverse Fourier transform, and we were able to reconstruct the image. So as you can see, there are some artifacts in the reconstruction, but basically, uh, this is the theory. So you can't really get accurate uh, representation unless you get uh, infinite angles of projection. So this is how we implemented it. So basically, uh, we have all this uh, implemented in LabVIEW mostly, and some of it uh, we had to implement through C because uh, some of it can't be done in LabVIEW. In LabVIEW. So we have here a radon transform. So of course, you did it for every cross-section. And eventually, uh, you uh, we extract the features, the 3D views. So this is our, our experimental setup. So we have the light source here. And I'm trying to. So we have the light source here, and this is the object that we want to generate the 3D view. And then it has a turntable at the bottom. So basically, you turn this uh, turntable, and then you take photos of the uh, of the object from different angles. So that was our experimental set. So another uh, theory that we implemented was uh, fringe projection profilometry. So here you have a stock image. So basically, uh, you project fringes. So here you have a vertical and a horizontal fringe. And then you apply for a transform to both of them. So you get the, the frequency domain. And then you subtract this uh, for a transform to be able to, to generate, uh, let's say, uh, to remove the DC component. So the DC component is, is uh, basically the low frequencies. So we are left with these two lobes, which are actually mirror images of each other. And then you take one of those lobes and you basically do the inverse Fourier transform. And then you get this image. So as you can see, um, it's not really perfect because um, uh, if you look at this area here, there's like a steep drop from uh, white. So let's say white is pi and then the black one is negative pi. So what happened here is uh, because when you do the inverse Fourier transform, it actually, it's actually an inverse, it's an arc tangent. And the arc tangent is actually wrapped uh, in between negative pi to pi. So basically it will, it's a cycle, it will repeat. So what we have to do, uh, what we had to do was a uh, phase unwrapping. So basically, we want to be able to reconstruct uh, or to go beyond the bounds of negative pi to pi. And then we applied a Goldstein's algorithm and we had to identify residues, patch cuts. Of course, the technicalities we can discuss uh, if you want to be able to uh, learn about how we did it. And then finally, we get the unwrapped image, which is the reconstruction. So this is how we implemented it. So it's a little more, um, a lot more steps, obviously, compared to the first theory. And this is our experimental setup as well. So we have the light source, then you have um, the fringes on the light source as well. You have the, the lens and then a mirror. And then basically this is a projector system. So it will project the fringes onto the object. And yeah, so with, yeah. And so these are the results uh, from our thesis. So basically this is from the DFR. So here you see a mug and yeah, well, we get this reconstruction. So there are some issues with the mod because uh, it has some protrusion here in the handle and it also has some prints. So as you can see, those are the areas areas where we get a lot of errors in the, in the 3D view. And uh, okay, so this is the fringe projection result. So basically it's very impervious to any prints at all. So actually we can do reconstruction as you can see here. So we actually also did um, a combination wherein we use the, the profiles from here. We use that to feed to the fridge uh, to the DFR, and so we get the result of the combination. Again, uh, you know, I don't really want to discuss in much detail, but if you have any questions later, we can always discuss. Yeah. So going back, so okay. So my main um, thought uh, when I graduated was, what should I do next? So it was five years of schooling, so I was really, really thinking, like, should I pursue graduate studies or should I just join the workforce? But um, again, I would like to reiterate that the BPIDUST Science Awards was really the single most uh, influential factor that I joined the workforce because they actually gave me an offer. Like I can, uh, basically I will be joining the bank as an officer instead of going the usual route as a staff. So basically it's an express lane to uh, officership. So it was, uh, the offer was really good as well. So that's actually the reason why I, I want. I I just for uh, foregone the postgraduate studies and decided to join the workforce. The workforce. So BPI um, is the oldest bank, uh, not just in the Philippines, but probably in Asia as well. So of course, it's also the bank that started the financial industry in, in the Philippines, and it's a universal bank, so it offers a lot of services, so asset management and the rest of stuff. 
And it's actually, uh, I think it's second or third bank, uh, the biggest bank in the Philippines, second or third. Uh, so it has a network of 800 branches all over the world, mostly in the Philippines and 3,000 ATMs and grants. So, okay, so 2011 is the year that I started my career. So of course I had to do like a training. So I was the management trainee for six months with BPI, five months. So because I did not have any, any knowledge at all uh, about, you know, anything about bank. So it was really funny because it, it was the very first time that I heard the word debit when we did the training. So it was kind of a struggle, obviously, but it was really, really interesting as well. So in 2012, uh, it was the year that I basically, I wasn't in Cebu, so I was flying around uh, this mean because I was a reliever officer. So whenever there was an officer on leave on a particular area, I had to go there. And um, the biggest break in my career was when I was assigned as a head of the cash operations for Bacolod. And eventually I was moved to Manila to assume the project manager role. And I was promoted eventually in 2015. So I became a manager from AM. So these were my roles as a cash operations officer. So basically uh, we provide the uh, cash requirements of the branches, the ATMs, and also the commercial clients, so retail clients. And that was, that, was, that was actually my main role. And basically the rest are, I mean, uh, specific to the bank. And of course, I, re I did relieving as well for officers uh, in this mid. So I went to Iloilo, Bacala, Dava. And when I moved to Manila, so I was a project manager. So I did a lot of um, project requirements proposals as well. Um, I did a lot of performance reports. So uh, I, I conducted some business analytics with the, with the department because you know we have a lot of cash centers, the cash hubs in the country. So it was a really, really um, amazing job because I felt like I was able to apply my analytics uh, my analysis because you know as a physics graduate you always want to crunch numbers so I really appreciated uh, being a project manager because I was able to do this again so yeah of course we did also uh, vendor management so vendor management uh, so because BPI was working with third parties and one of them is uh, NCR so so basically there, uh, there came an offer from NCR and NCR uh, basically uh, because they were a vendor for BPI and we had a project uh, which involved cash uh, management. Uh, for, yeah. So NCR was one of the vendors and basically they offered me something really, really alluring because um, it was a work from home job and it was a new role. The, I mean, the financial offer was also good and I was able to uh, haggle as well. So it was really, really um, interesting because either I stay with the bank and you know I live in Manila for the rest of my life or uh, accept the offer and take in a new role because the role was pre-sales and the role was a regional role so it was really a step up so instead of uh, handling local uh, local stuff i was able to handle regional stuff now so yeah. so in ncr uh, i was um so basically ncr is a very old company as well so vpi is quite old 1800 ncr is also quite old so 135 years already so our headquarters is in in Mid midtown atlanta so yeah, so we have uh, 34K employees globally, so 160 countries, and we have uh, solutions distributed in 141 countries as well. So we provide software, we provide managed services, professional services, and also technologies and hardware as well to uh, several actual, several lines of business. So it could, uh, so I'm part of the financial services line of business in NCR. So it was in 2016 that I joined NCR. So I was trained uh, in Jakarta. Uh, my first project was in Bangkok. So it, I was really flying around uh, Southeast Asia mostly. And uh, of course, uh, we also did a lot of uh, sales kickoffs in let's say in the US and even in Thailand as well. So it was a lot of traveling and it was really cool to me because the BPI was also traveling domestically. But in NCR, I'm also traveling a lot internationally. So it was really cool. And in 2019, um, I actually won the customer engagement star. So I was awarded that particular, um, so it was really um, rewarding because um, I mean, when you, when you're in the workforce and basically you just do what you do, right? And when you're in school, you're used to receiving this award and in the workforce is totally different. But 2019 was a really good year to me. So I was also able to, uh, I was granted the membership for the Century Point Club, which is the oldest club in the world. So it was really, uh, really, um, uh, let's say, encouraging 
for me as well. So the new challenges obviously is in 2020 uh, because we, we can't travel anymore and my job involves a lot of traveling internationally. So the borders are closed, so I couldn't travel. So everything now is done like remotely. It's very tough, but we're still, um, actually everyone is already adjusting to it. So to me, things are kind of back to normal as, except for the traveling. And yeah. So my role in pre-sales, so I'm a, I have a regional role, so I handle India, Southeast Asia, and Australia as well, and the countries around Australia. So uh, I manage the opportunities in channel management, so anything related to APMs, branches, and CIT, so stuff like that. So I set up discovery sessions with clients, so I sit down with them and formulate plans on how to be able to deliver uh, the total solution. But I also do data assessments, which is something that I really enjoy. So basically, I crunch numbers here. So again, something that I can apply my technical skills uh, being a physics graduate. And of course, uh, I help the uh, sales organization in closing deals. So I, I also train our, our salespeople in our, in our product. And I also participate in industry-wide seminars. So pre-sales is something that's, um, it's, I'm always asked, like, what does a pre-sales person do, right? It's the same as people uh, as when people ask like as a physics graduate what is what is it uh, afterwards like do you go to the industry do you uh, just proceed with graduate studies or do you go to the academy it's the same with pre-sales so i always uh, i always meet people asking me like what do you do what's what's there in pre-sales so basically it's technical sales so um i'm i'm kind of like a sales person in a way and i also do a lot of technical stuff so everything is like I'm the total package, to be honest. So it's really quite difficult because as, as I said before, I'm a very, very, uh, I used to be a very shy person. So I just love my numbers. I don't really interact a lot. So the job was really um, challenging because I needed to uh, sit down with clients. Like, and these are not just clients, uh, common people. So you, I actually talk to executives of the bank. So that means I have to like, I have to show them that I'm confident. I have to show them that I, that I'm, you know, I'm the man to deal with. So it was quite a challenge to me at, at first, but it's something that you grow. I mean, you grow as a person, you grow with your career. It, you need you really need to uh, like break out of your shell and just um, go with it. So these are just some of the industry-wide talks that I participated in. So the one in Bangkok in 2018. So this, this was also the year that we were able to visit the central bank in Thailand. So how they printed their money, which is really cool as well. Of course, the uh, we also did the XKO in Phuket. And finally, um, I was also able to uh, be a speaker as well. So when we did the ICOS, so it's a cash, cash stuff as well. It was presented in the central bank in Manila. So these are just some of the awards that I received uh, with NCR. So the CPC award, so the customer engagement star and uh, this was done in Phuket. It was really fun, aside from, aside from everything. <laughs> so the last guy is um, actually my boss, which is really cool. He's a Malaysian, and he's one of the coolest boss. Yeah. And because of all the traveling, I was able to visit, because, uh, you know, I'm still a science guy, so I still enjoy science stuff. So I was able to visit the Nikola Tesla Museum in Belgrade, in Serbia. So yeah, I was able to take a photo with... Um, with a Tesla coil behind me. So it was really, really scary because they actually turned this on. There was a very, very loud, uh, thunderous crackling sound, which was very scary, but very exhilarating as well. And these are just some of the artifacts uh, that I took a photo of so from Nikola Tesla. Even his robes that he used to wear, it was there. So it was really fun. So I, ju I just really want to highlight this as well. So of course, um, you know, when you decide on your career, you really have to play to your strengths. So if you're a very a technical guy, if you enjoy numbers, then you might as well go for something, uh, go for a job that, or maybe even proceed with masters, right? Go for something that you're good at because because if you're good at it, then most most likely you're passionate with it and you're gonna do gonna perform well. But it doesn't mean that you need to shy away from your weaknesses because your weaknesses actually can be transformed into strengths. You just need to work with it. So this is actually what I did to overcome my, let's say, shyness when I was um, early, early on in my job. So um, it was a sales role, a technical sales. So I really wanted to be able to uh, improve it, improve on my dealing with 
people, my social skills, especially because I talk with a lot of executives in the banks. So uh, it really started uh, like it was very innocently started. So it was it was really innocent. Like in 2016, I just did my first condo investment, and um, in 2017, it was one of the years that's really an awakening for me because. I joined uh, MLM, um, um, an MLM, so a multi-level networking, basically a networking company. And it was the year that I was exposed to a lot of people from different walks of life. So from the poorest of the poor, who are really, really struggling with life, but very, very um, passionate as well. They're very hardworking. So I thought to myself, like, what reason do I have to not work hard if these people are actually working harder than me? So there were a lot of realizations from that and also met a lot of people from the from say business people so it was one of the yeah as i said it was one of the awakenings so this was also the year uh, because of that experience i decided to join another sales role so basically in filipino homes i joined as a real estate agent so i took the challenge because i really wanted to improve uh you know my social skills and it's sales uh, it's a sales role sales so might as well like complement my skills. So, and of course, I also did a lot of investing over the years. I invested a lot in real estate and insurance. So I even had an award last year as well. So it was really cool. And the newest challenges that I took uh, is uh, just before COVID. So in February, so I was able to, sorry, March, I was able to take the insurance commission exams and I was, um, I became a Two Life UK financial advisor. So again, it's something related to sales. So it really complemented my job with NCR. So uh, I would say that I have been improving a lot. So I'm not as uh, introverted as I was before. So I am kind of an ambivert now. So I also invested in stocks. So it's really the road to financial freedom. So these things, um, they're very, very uh, innocent looking, but these are the things that actually decide where we are now. So like, BPI, if I didn't participate in the BPI DOSD Science Awards, and I probably wouldn't be here now speaking to you in terms of science and finance. So as an agent in real estate, so basically I assist buyers in purchasing property, and if anyone is selling as well, I assist them. And of course, uh, I do paperwork as well, and keep up to date with any updates in the real estate market. So this is an advantage to me because I'm also very, very um, interested with investing. So. I get first uh, first-hand knowledge with all this stuff, so uh, I think that's a win as well for me. And as a financial advisor, so of course I analyze the financial needs of my customers, their gaps in their finances, and based on those gaps, I offer them, of course, a combination of insurance, life insurance, and investment. And of course, I provide after-sales service to be able to you know um, help my clients uh, with their life stage planning. And the real importance of insurance really because um, at this point, uh, Filipinos, like I think we're beyond the halfway point already. So more than 50% already have uh, some sort of insurance. So most Filipinos though, uh, we're still pretty much focused with savings and probably the richer ones, uh, the, those who have excess money, they can do like, investment. But the thing is, uh, we call this the financial pyramid. So it's very important to have uh, protection. So basically if uh, let's say, so it's very important to have protection because this is the one that will save your savings. So basically, if let's say you get a critical illness or you're diagnosed with cancer, so you don't have to uh, worry about uh, shelling out from your savings or even borrowing money from your family or friends. So insurance is the one that will protect you. So it's kind of an income protection. So to me, it's really a basic need that people need to have, but it's really, uh, I really hope someday the Philippines will be more proactive because our generation is still something that we call a sandwich generation where we still need to support our, our families, our parents, and we also need to look for, you know, look after ourselves or our own families in the future. So uh, hopefully in the future, or we're going to be more proactive and, you know, we don't have to worry about the previous generation and we need to worry about the future. So it's very important to have insurance. And of course, uh, to me, uh, insurance is my advocacy because as I said, it's really actually protecting this family because uh, in, in case of financial trouble, then it's actually the insurance policy that will help them um, uh, cover their needs so they don't have to worry about 
eating out, eating out from their savings or from their investments or borrowing money from their family. So, yeah, I'm 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 advocating uh, for some uh, financial planning. And okay, just before we end this discussion, I say that we have some time as well. So I just want to share this Japanese concept, which is what we call ikigai. So ikigai is, of course, your sense of purpose. So we have this four circles. So what you love, what the world needs, what, what you can get paid for, and what you're good at. So uh, there, so this is kind of a Venn diagram. So the intersection of love and what, uh, what you love and what the world needs is your mission. So if you have your vocation, you have your passion, of course, you have your passion. So at this stage, um, I'm, I already have my profession with me because, you know, I'm, I'm kind of, uh, I'm good at selling now because, you know, I've been like almost five years with NCR and I've been improving my skills to joining real estate and joining insurance as well. So, and of course, um, maybe at some point in my life, uh, I want to be able to do my passion as well. So probably it's better to retire early so that I can do something that I'm good at and something that I love. So. Uh, it's really discovering your sense of purpose. Uh, this is the, the thing that people at my age, uh, maybe even earlier, like uh, once you reach your uh, how, like quarter life crisis, like when you're, not, not on your, when you're on your 25, uh, 26. So you're actually thinking a, lo a lot about what am I doing with my life? So what, I mean, am I in the right industry? So you're gonna be asking a lot of those questions. But you know this kind of concept. So your sense of purpose, ikigai, it really helps you um, discern. It really helps you um, think about it, and you know don't stress about this stuff because at the end of the day, uh, all your decisions will eventually come to this, you know, uh, endpoint, this conclusion, your fruition. Like for me, I mean, I'm very happy because um, when before, just before I turned thirty, I really. I was really setting some goals for myself. Like uh, I, I even told my uh, one of my friends, uh, we were at the airport and I told him that, you know, um, aside from doing my day job, I really wanted to, I want to involve, I want, I want to diversify my portfolio. So I want to join real estate, which was something that I already did at that time. And at that time I, was still, I wasn't still involved in insurance. I, and I wasn't really investing a lot in stocks. So you know, now that I'm 30, I'm very happy that I'm I was actually able able to met to meet my goal, which is to become more diversified and um, and to have an advocacy, uh, which is in protecting the lives of people to ensure. So, thank you, and yeah, I just want to leave this note as well just before I end my presentation. So this is a quote from the Little Prince. So it's only with the heart that you can see rightly. So what is essential is invisible to the eye. So sometimes we lose sight of what's really important because we're very busy with our day-to-day. -day. But sometimes you need to step back a little and you just um, look into the horizon. And as a physics graduate, uh, you know, when, you're, when you study physics, everything you look at, uh, your mind actually kind, kind of like gives you like the reason why things are like when you see the sky is blue, kind of know, know the reason why the sky is blue and everything. I mean, you get to appreciate life. So, yeah, I encourage you people to, you know, um, I know we're very busy every day, a lot of stuff happening in our lives, but you know, just step back a little and try to look at things the way they are. Like, life is simple, especially from a uh, childlike uh, person's point of view. And thank, thank you. you so That's much. It. Thank you yeah. so much, Mr. Talio. Well, we do have a couple of questions. Do you mind if we answer a couple of them? Sure. Okay. So let me just end. <laughs> For some reason, I couldn't end it. Okay. Okay. Sure. Go ahead. Okay. So James wants to know, what advice can you give to students like him in the third year? And so are close to performing their thesis and what practices oh. did you do to achieve a summa cum laude? Oh. Okay, so the first part, so about the, okay, so the thesis thing, right? Yeah. So uh, when you're on your third year, you're probably doing a lot of laboratory work. So probably you're doing weekly lab stuff. So you're doing weekly lab reports. So uh, I think um, I it's something that I really enjoyed, by the way. So because you're always crunching numbers. So if you're in physics, you need to love numbers, right? You need to love science because otherwise you're not in the right <laughs> course. But 
eventually when you do those weekly stuff and you know different topics like signal processing you have a lot about you know um let's say it it stuff you're doing a lot of programming every time you do those things you actually kind of realize okay so where am i good at what is something that's interesting to me and eventually you're gonna get there i mean you don't really have to force yourself to something because the, the, the tendency is if you rush into things then you probably won't end up um, in a good position in the future so just take it slow but not very slow um try to assess every all the lab work that you did in the past try to assess uh is this something that uh you know uh, piques my interest is this something that i'm good at um yeah things, things like that and about the summa cum laude thing so i yeah as i said earlier i wasn't really doing anything special uh I, I was the type of person who wouldn't study like a week before. I always study a night before because I, oh, I, I don't have a very good memory. I have a very short, uh, short-term memory. But the thing is, um, I kind of tag myself as a slow learner. So basically, if I look at something and then I just read it, then it doesn't actually go to my mind. It doesn't get stored. But when you actually try to understand like the basic principles of why that thing is like that and you learn it by heart i mean you learn it you 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 because when you learn something through with emotion i don't know how to call it but when you learn something with you know with emotion with your feelings you actually kind of remember it more like Let's say, let's say on a particular day, it was a, a very bad day to you. Let's say you got 50% score in one of the exams. And let's say you study on, the, uh, on that night, you study on something, and probably you're going to retain a lot of the, what you studied on that night because it, it's uh, related to a very strong emotion. So, emotion uh, like fear? A, yeah, not really fear, <laughs> but that, that, there's actually a study like that if you... Uh, yeah, if you have a very strong emotion on that particular night that you studied something, then that's most probably you're gonna retain it more. So yeah, I I didn't really do anything special. As, as I said, when when I was on my fifth year, I wasn't I wasn't expecting anything. So my my te- my professors just told me like that you're a candidate for summa cum laude. I wasn't I was very I, I was quite surprised because I wasn't aiming for anything. I was just I was just making sure that my grades were at least one point seven or something, one point five something. But I was surprised, like, okay. And the thing is, if things come unexpected your way, you're gonna appreciate them more. Because if you really try to strive for stuff and you know, eventually you don't get it, then you're gonna get hurt. <laughs> and yeah, so just take it easy and you know, just enjoy your life while you're still at school because when, you're, when you leave school, it's really gonna be totally different. <laughs> So yeah. <laughs> Speaking of lab work, I've been doing a lot of programming lately at our houses, which is yeah. really distracting, and with our really slow computers. And even yeah. thinking about it now, uh, we we're not even sure if we can go back to school in our second semester as uh, yeah, our professor. So we're really grounded at home, and we can't really, let's say, play around with the things that are in our campus yeah. right now. That's true. So I think it's really hard, especially now. Okay, so we have another question from Joseph. What made you decide yeah. to pursue a career related to finance? And what was your experience like bridging your knowledge of physics to the knowledge required in the career of finance? Yeah. So, okay, so the reason, again, so the reason why I joined the financial industry is because of the BPIDOSP thing. So because I was uh, a worthy of the BPIDOSP on my fifth year, because uh, BPI actually has an offer. So, so everyone who gets that award immediately gets an express pass to be an officer in BPI. So you don't have to go through the staff uh, level anymore. So you get a high pay, you get that allure of being work, uh, working for the bank. And as you can see, even in this pandemic, right, we see that everything is down. All the businesses are down except for the banks, <laughs> except for groceries. So it's really one of the most stable um, jobs to have, to be working for the bank. And um, at the start, like I was doing operations. So, you know, I was working like 7 a.m. to 12 midnight. It was, everything was like that for me because I was in operations. 
And it was like I was on a standstill. So I, I was like a zombie <laughs> for the first three years in my life with a bank. But uh, when on my fourth year, so my boss, uh, he asked me to move to Manila. So I was I became a project manager. So that was really the time that I, I was really able to use my brain <laughs> because I was very, you know, I'm a very analytical person. So, you know, everyone in physics is probably a very analytical person. So we love to crunch our numbers. We love to analyze things. And we, we, we love to see things that we um, do, like let's say we do an algorithm and it works and it works, right? And we do programming. So when I was a project manager, um, I actually did a lot of changes. So because I was pretty much very um, free with what to do. So I was directly um, below my, the boss of the department. So I did a lot of Excel macros. So it was written in Visual Basic. So it was really good. Like I was able to crunch, like uh, I was do, able to do programming on the side. And then they were very amazed as well to my colleagues because, you know, something that, uh, let's say a staff member will do for one day is done in a few seconds with, an, in a, with a VBA macro in Excel, right? So it, I mean, it's still there. Like the, the technique, um, I'm very, I'm a very technical person up until now. And that probably that's something that being in physics are really um, amplified. <laughs> so now, um, whenever I talk to people, even as a salesperson, because uh, I mean, as pre-sales in NCR, I'm technically uh, a technical sales person. So I still use um, the, con I mean, the physics amplified my being a technical person. That's something that I still use today, even in insurance. <laughs> so, so what advice, what advice can you give to those people wanting to pursue their career in finance? And what are the necessary skills that you should have learned already? So I, I assure you it's going to be a very big challenge if you decide to join finance because I had to do like a five to six months training, uh, a management training uh, in, in Makati. And it was one of the toughest <laughs> One of the toughest things that I took because obviously I don't have a background in finance. And the thing is, um, I, I told you, right, uh, when I was in college, I never studied a week in advance. I always study like a day before. That's it. But when I went to, uh, in, when I went with BPI, my goodness, they gave you like um, a very thick book, a uh, technical book, and you have an exam a week after. So basically, I can't do the study tonight, exam later. I have to study like days in advance. Otherwise, you're going to fail because everyone there is like a cum laude, but everyone is still, you know, at risk. Like you can just be, because if you fail one of the exams, then you're automatically scrapped from the program and then you go back to your province crying. <laughs> so it was really tough, but it was also very fulfilling because it was something that I wasn't strong at because, you know, obviously I'm a very scientific person. I'm very strong in science. I have a very strong scientific background, backbone, very strong, uh, you know, foundation in science, but I didn't have any foundation at all in finance. So it was really tough. But again, you can always transform your weaknesses into your strengths. Um, and it's something that I'm really, really proud of because I would have, I would have, um, Quit. I mean, I wouldn't have joined the financial industry altogether, but you know, I pursued it. And it's something that I am very proud. Like, I'm still here, I'm still involved in finance in a way. So, yeah. And I am I'm a very, um, I, I really believe in diversifying as well, diversification. So, I don't want to put all my eggs in one basket. So, I don't like, I mean, I'm still a science guy, but I also love wealth, I love money. So, <laughs> It's two things that I love. So that's why I'm still here. So if you love money, if you love wealth, so maybe consider a career in finance, banking, even insurance, even in real estate, because the money is actually here. I mean, it's money in finance. Right? But of course, science is still my passion. So whenever people talk with me, like whenever I meet my old classmates, it's like a breath of fresh air because I get to relive my moments in college where we just talk about things that we love. So when you reach this age, like I'm still on my 30s, by the way, I'm, not, I'm, I'm still 30, I'm not very old. You're only a but, decade old. 
yeah, only a decade older than you, but you know, you you get to enjoy stuff like you get to talk with your classmates from ten years back, and then you it's fine. So so there you're really watching deep learning curve, am I right? It was there was a deep, very deep learning curve, but again, there's nothing that you can't do. You just need to believe that you can do it, and you just need to take action, and you're gonna get there. Because uh, I, I also believe in the in law of attraction, right? It's the law of attraction. If you believe in the things that you believe in, then most likely you're gonna get there. And so obviously, if you, yeah, and obviously if you stay in your comfort zone, don't expect any changes in your life at all. So yeah. Okay, so let's talk about finance. <laughs> so yeah, how yeah, do you sure. convince people to have insurance and invest? And how important they are in their future, and how early should you be? Had you should you start thinking about this in your life? As soon as you're born, <laughs> <laughs> you should think about it already. Because you know, as, I mean, it's only in the probably in the third world countries, including the Philippines, that insurance is not something that, like, it's the agents that convince people to get it, but. It's, it should be the opposite, actually. It should be the people who are looking for agents to give them insurance. Because, like, uh, let's say in Thailand, so I have a friend there who told me, like, uh, they have incentives if they have insurance. So they get, like, tax, tax breaks. They have, um, yeah, they have tax breaks because, because of having insurance. Unfortunately, in the Philippines, we don't have that. So <laughs> that's something that, so the government isn't really focused on, you know, on encouraging people to have insurance. So whenever I talk to people, it's really about, you know, protecting who you love. So because insurance is really about protection. So you protect your income, you protect the people that you love, so your beneficiaries. So in fact, uh, so, uh, so in one of my uh, colleagues, so actually one of my colleagues, like um, they, he had an entirely demise. So I'm not sure what happened, but basically he died um, uh, just recently. And um, what happened is because he had an insurance policy, so he was able to get uh, like a 1.5 million check uh, for his family. So it was, I mean, even if he's not physically here, but at least uh, he was still able to help his family uh, even post part, like post death. So it's something that, yeah, I mean, it's something that people should have. It's actually a need. It's not something that, so it's, it's not a want, but it's a basic need. Because the thing is with Filipinos, like um, if you, it's like, uh, it's like a sustenance living type of living. So. You just live your day to day, and you just—I mean, typically people just—I need—I just need to make sure that I have three meals a day. But um, real, um, like realistically speaking, uh, you really need to think about your future. You can't use your children as your insurance policy. <laughs> you need to have uh, an actual insurance policy so that your children wouldn't have to uh, think of you. Like, uh, I mean, not have to be financially accountable for you uh, when you get older. So and. And the thing is, if that happens eventually, then the, our generation will be able to think about our future more, right? We're, we'll be able to dream more and we'll, we'll be able to um, pursue our dreams, right? To pursue what we really love because we don't need to think about money as much anymore. <laughs> yeah. And you mentioned about uh, the parents. They're yeah, making children. So they just they have their own insurance. They make yeah, children. You have insurance already. That's a really big problem in here in the Philippines. Yeah, that's the biggest problem because you know eventually, like you just uh, you have a lot of children, and then you're you're gonna leverage on the fact that one of their children is probably gonna be successful, and then that child will be the one to support your family. But the problem is that is obviously that child won't be able to think about his future because he's always looking back. To, to his family so I, I don't you know that's not a bad thing because you know we're Filipinos of course we're very tightly knit with our families we love our families obviously and we want to be able to support them I mean I, I love my family but ideally uh, you know it would have been better if you know people will be able to at least be a little more selfish right able to think about their dreams and obviously um, if you're able to do that if you're able to accumulate wealth then you can you can always stay forward. Um, you can have an advocacy as well. You can set up your own foundation to be able to help those people. So again, it's it's being proactive, and it's something that Filipinos 
don't have in their mindset, unfortunately. So we're very um, low on financial education. And that's something that I really, really advocate. Like I don't really, I mean, I mean I'm not very much into money because the, when I join insurance. I just really want people to learn the importance of having protection in terms of income and in terms of your family because at the end of the day, we love our families, right? <laughs> so, yeah, I think that's it. So Francis and JC have the same question, so I'm just going to put it together. Uh, what is the first step in investing insurance and where should we go first? Uh, obviously, you need to speak with me. <laughs> Just kidding. But yeah, I mean, uh, you can always have, uh, you know, there are always a lot of um, tips you, you get from YouTube. So YouTube has everything already. Even my even my nephew learns everything from YouTube. So obviously, YouTube is one of the, uh, I could I would say, credible sources for information. But I mean, yeah, I mean, if you have a friend who knows about investing, who knows about insurance, then just try speaking with them because eventually, I mean, it's not really about closing deals, but it's about talking about something that's important, something about the needs of people, right? So you can always do that first step. Um, try to speak with someone who's knowledgeable about the topic and try to try to relate that to your own life. If there's a gap, let's say, I mean, the first step that I always do when I speak with clients is learn about their life. Like, uh, let's say we call it fact finding, like, do you have any dependents? Uh, so you, do you have children that are uh, that you support? Uh, do you have any history uh, in terms of medical history that would probably make you uninsurable? Something like that. Or what is your financial goals in the future? Maybe in the future, in 20 years, do you want to be able to uh, buy a new house? Or do you want to have to save for your retirement? Do you, of course, you, you, you don't want to um, rely on your children for retirement. You want to be able to, to have your own money, right? So those are the things that I always like, you know, discuss, like, I, I just try to assess what are their needs. So it's like, a, it's like life, life stage planning. And then based on that, then I can offer them something that uh, that would be tailor fit to their needs. And obviously, if you don't have any insurance at all, then that that's obviously, obviously, you need to prioritize insurance, because as I showed you in the financial pyramid, so protection is always at the bottom, it's the base of the pyramid. Otherwise, Everything is gonna fall down. So your savings is gonna be exhausted. Don't even think about investment because everything is gonna be gone. So, yeah. So, Hannah, so I have another question from Hannah. How do yeah. you deal with transitioning from academic to career life, especially a career that is somewhat different from what physics oh students God. usually do? Oh, that's a very good question. Thank you for that, Hannah. <laughs> so. Yeah, um, I don't, I don't have any words. <laughs> but you know what happened? You know, um, I actually kind of skipped it in one of, in my timeline discussion. But just before I went to BPI, I, I actually was a software developer for a very brief moment with Asus. So it's a company based in Pasig. Um, I worked there for a month, <laughs> and the reason why I I quit is because um it was taking a lot of emotional toll to me because you know, my fam all my family, they're all in Cebu and I was the only one who, sep uh, who was separate. I was moved to Manila. It was my very first time to be separate by my family. And I was practically crying every night because <laughs> I couldn't deal with uh, you know, being away from them. And um, it was also very tough because, I mean, we have IT background, right? In physics because we do a lot of programming, but there's, I mean, when you learn a, a new programming language and it's totally different because it's totally different syntax. And obviously there's other, a lot of types of programming. It can be visual, it can be object oriented, it could be something else. So it's a lot, it's a very steep learning curve. It's like you, you need to learn something that you learn, uh, you need to learn for four years, you, you compress that into a month. So it was very tough. And even joining the bank, it was really tough, but you know, Oh, you just need to set your mind to it. You just need to believe that you can. And again, it's really the law of attraction. You just do what you can do and just try to steer away from those negative thoughts that you have. Obviously, they're going to be come knocking at your door, but 
I mean, you, you can you accept that they're there, but overcome them. And it's really important to have a support group as well. So uh, you might be wondering why I was able to overcome the stress when I was training for management, uh, you know, when I joined the finance industry. So the reason why I was able to overcome is because I had a lot of peers. Uh, I had a lot of friends who, um, I actually had a, have a friend from USC as well. She, uh, she's working, uh, she graduated from USC Maine. So it was something that I really appreciated because someone Visaya. So I was able to, I was very comfortable. So we were all in this together technically. Uh, because, I mean, for me, it was more difficult because I didn't have any background at all in finance, but just believe in it. Just believe in yourself and you're gonna get there. Don't, I mean, and don't be, don't be easily um, uh, disheartened, disillusioned because you know, life is always gonna come kicking you in the in the like called the shin, and then you're gonna trample, you're gonna fall down. But you need to fail forward. You can't just stop, right? You can't just stop. You need to persevere. Oh, I I keep saying to myself that it's all going to be worth it in the end, and just keeping it, that and keep repeating that over and over. It, it's true. I mean, it's cliche, right? It's really cliche, but. You need to learn from your mistakes, obviously. Uh, you, you can't repeat on hitting the same wall all over again and expect some quantum thing happening. <laughs> quantum tunneling, obviously, that's not going to happen in, in real life. Uh, I mean, for macro, for macro objects like us. So try to, um, like, uh, when we do programming, right? Uh, when you do the, let's say, simulated annealing stuff, like, um, you try to heat uh, in the program, you, need, right? you try to heat it. So that it will explore a lot of like let's say um, different um, parameters, and then you're eventually you're gonna get to that point where you overcome that wall, that potential well, <laughs> and you're gonna be able to tun tunnel. Uh, you're, you're in your third year, right? So you're probably not in quantum quantum mechanics yet, but yeah, yeah. we're discussing that right <laughs> now. Actually, ah, okay. <laughs> we have an assignment that I haven't done. Let's not talk about that. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> but okay, yeah, so I mean, you can get inspiration from that. You can tunnel your way through that wall. You're, you're eventually gonna come through and uh, be a better person yeah. than you are today. So unfortunately, that brings us to the end of today's episode. Is there anything yeah. else that you would like to say to our audience, Mr. Talio? Yeah. Um. I'm not really sure, but again, um, of course, you can always speak to me. You can DM me, but you should add me as a friend first because I have a lot of chats, so I, I don't notice them. Um, DM me if anything. I mean, if you want to ask something about what we did in the thesis or if you're interested on joining the finance industry, then you can talk to me or anything about life in general, like something that you don't understand from this session. It's one hour, so it's very limiting. I can always I can talk for the whole day, but obviously we don't have that time. So, yeah, and persevere. Um, play onto your strengths. Um, if you have, obviously, we all have weaknesses, but if you overcome those weaknesses, you're gonna they're gonna become your ultimate strength. I tell you. So thank don't so thank you so much. Fail. <laughs> thank you, Irvin. Thank you so yeah. much. Thank you so much, Mr. Talio, for such an elaborate presentation and for joining us in our exploration to the possible career paths in physics where we learned that knowing your strengths and weaknesses and to be able to work around it. Next week, we'll be joined by a special guest. For more information, just check out the USC Physics and Astronomy Facebook page. Also, we would like to thank Edward Kaluya and Claude Sediza for sponsoring this webinar and to the organizers from the Carolinian Physics and Astronomy Society for making this event possible. So once again, thank you so much, Mr. Talio, and to Thanks, the live Irvin. audience for joining us. Thanks, everyone. Once again, I am Irvin from the Carolinian Physics and Astronomy Society, and I'll see you guys again the same time next week. Thank you.